This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. There's a lot of information asymmetry in farmland investing in the sense that the data is sporadic, if available at all, on what farmland value should be. And there's really no, you might say, there's no Zillow for farmland, right? You can't easily gather up comparable sales data. Um, and there's very little good information about whether land has been improved and to what extent. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we are going to learn a thing or two about how you can invest in farmland. My friend Matthew Warren and I have slowly been learning more about the stock market and investing and all that stuff. I mean, 2020 has been a miserable year to learn that. Well, miserable and kind of good. There's been some decent stocks that we have found. But anyway, he sent me this info on a company called AcreTrader, and he was like, hey, you should figure out what this is about. Got in touch with them, and today on the show, we have the Director of Farm Operations with Acre Trader, Ben Maddox. And Ben is going to talk to us today about what Acre Trader is and how they are helping investors invest in farmland and how that actually also helps the farmers get capital um, to purchase more farmland. Or, like, for example, if they are a first generation farmer, this actually really helps them get really expensive and much needed farmland. And Ben's going to talk to us today about the different um, investments you can do, how long-term or short-term they are, and also how you can invest whether you're in long-term crops, like, you know, um, perennial crops like um, corn, wheat, stuff like that, or more long-term crops like fruit trees, cherry trees, stuff like that. This is really neat because it's something that we haven't really learned a whole lot about. And I mean, maybe you're curious and you want to support sustainable agriculture, this is something that you can do if you want some long-term investments. AcreTrader has some really cool tools you can use to invest and make a lot of money down the road. Now, uh, this is just a heads up, Ben, and I think he mentions it in the podcast, 
Ben is not giving any sort of investing advice, anything like that. He's really just explaining what Acre Trader is and how they are trying to help farmers and help investors. So if you're looking for investment advice, this is not the episode, but if you want to learn if you want to learn about Acre Trader and what they're doing, this is a great episode to listen to. So I really hope you enjoy it. This was really eye-opening. I knew you could invest in farmland. I didn't know how exactly it worked. So this was a great, a great interview with Ben, and it was super exciting to talk with him and everybody at AcreTrader. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. This is episode, I think, 79 now with Ben Maddox of AcreTrader. Hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check them out at AcreTrader.com, and check out our article. Also, you know, thefarmtraveler.com. And go to our episodes page and you'll see a little write-up for this interview. Okay, enough stalling. On with the show. Cool. All right. Well, Ben Maddox, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Trevor. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So I'm excited to talk with you. Um, I, As we were just talking about a minute ago, I've just started like investing myself and a friend of mine sent me you guys' website, Acre Trader, kind of how people can get involved in investing in farmland and stuff like that. And so kind of before we dive into that and learn more about it, kind of tell us about yourself and kind of how you got involved with Acre Trader. Sure. Yeah. So my background is pretty diverse um, with respect to what I've been doing over the last 10 years, all of it has been involved in agriculture, you know, centered in and around agriculture. Um, you know, I have some previous experience actually working in the nonprofit sector, uh, doing some international ag development work. And that was really an interesting time in my life, getting to work in some uh, value chains as diverse as uh, coffee and cocoa, uh, sort of all throughout the world. Um, you know, my family actually uh, raises cattle here in the Ozarks in Arkansas. So that's been part of my background and my experience as well. Um, and now my time here at Acre Trader as the director of farm operations, where I um, work with a great team here to do all the due diligence and research on our row crop investments here at the company. So that's cool. I mean, it sounds like you have a little bit of ag background, which I'm sure comes in handy. So how ex what is the whole kind of investing in farmland like? I mean, how is it different and similar to the stock market? Looking at like the thousand foot view, I just imagine you're investing in a crop of corn and just kind of seeing how it goes there. So how is it kind of similar and different to the regular stock market? That's a good question. You know, through the Acre Trader platform, investors are actually purchasing shares in an LLC or an entity that is set up to hold the title to a property. And in that sense, you know, in, investing in land is different from trading stocks in that it's really a medium to long term investment. There's less liquidity in owning land. Um, and you really are trying to be in that investment for you know, at a very minimum five to 10 years. And so I would say that's the first distinction I would make is the length or duration of the holding period of, of investing in land. The, the second big thing that I would point out is, you know, there's not a, there's a, there's a lot of information asymmetry in farmland investing in the sense that the data is sporadic, if available at all, on what farmland value should be. And there's really no you might say there's no Zillow for farmland, right? You can't easily gather up comparable sales data. Um, and there's very little 
good information about whether land has been improved and to what extent. That might include uh, irrigation improvements or drainage tile, anything like that. So um, those two factors make it really different. The, uh, the holding period, the length of the holding period, and really just the lack of good information transparency in farmland investing. And so our whole goal at AcreTrader is to kind of break through some of those barriers for individuals who may not may not have a lot of experience either in farming or in managing a farm property. And so our goal is to provide a farmland investing platform that sets up a more or less passive investment with low average minimums um, and an intuitive and easy to use investment process. And so that was the problem statement we really found in farmland investing was that it's not as simple as just trading stocks. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. So I was kind of thinking about it. You would just really invest in one or one growing season of corn or something, but it makes a lot more sense that you're really investing long-term like five to 10 years over on the overall land. So that's very interesting. Um, what about the background of most investors that are using um, Acre Trader? Are you finding them that most are coming from an ag background or some of them aren't? What's kind of the breakdown there? It's really all over the place. I, I would say the average investor does not have a background in agriculture. And to that extent, I think we are able to do a, a real service to our investors through the uh, educational materials that we provide on our website. So, you know, a huge part of our job at AcreTrader is in educating investors about what farmland investing looks like, what to expect, and what sort of pitfalls you should avoid when you're analyzing a potential investment in farmland. Okay, gotcha. I know that the United States is really diverse. You know, we've got a lot of crops here in Florida and I mean, basically everywhere, Ohio, Iowa, Texas, Oklahoma. Are there really places all across the country you can invest? Or I mean, do you guys have advice on what climates or what regions are kind of going to be mm -hmm. The most profitable over that time span? Yeah, there's a couple ways to think about that question. The first would be from a geographical standpoint. And from a geographical standpoint, now I want to preface this by saying you can find a good farm investment anywhere in the United States if you do your homework and you really know what you're up to. Um, there are good opportunities everywhere. For our purposes, we are primarily looking at a few key regions throughout the country um, that consist of, you know, kind of what we have labeled here as, as prime farmland areas. And when we define prime farmland, we define it by saying, you know, these are areas that have a, a large and liquid land base, meaning that there's lots of sales and transactions that you can take a look at and get some idea of comparable sales. Uh, we want to make sure there's a strong farming community in place so that there's actually people out there who are interested in farming those properties. And we want to make sure that there's uh, adequate natural resources like uh, rainfall, groundwater, uh, and the correct climate and temperature zones. So from a geographic standpoint, we're looking at a few areas around the United States that I would say in, in sort of broad strokes include the Mississippi Delta region, you know, down through the south, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, um, we're looking at the Midwest, you know, from Minnesota and Iowa all the way over to Illinois and Indiana. And then we're really looking sort of at a West Coast corridor that goes up through the Central Valley of California, um, the Willamette Valley in Oregon, and then the sort of the Columbia Basin in Washington State. And so, um, again, that's not to say we wouldn't uh, purchase a property in, in any other state. You know, Florida is a, a great agricultural state as well, and certainly looked at a lot of opportunities there. But in terms of speaking about the primary areas where we're looking, those are three of the big ones. 
Okay, that makes sense. So I know, so growing up, my dad was my dad was really into the stock market and we will watch Jim Cramer all the time and he'd talk about, yeah. you know, the bears and the bulls and kind of being aggressive or kind of sitting back. So does this platform kind of have that same, um, the, the same like bear and the bull trades where you've got to be aggressive with certain markets and kind of lay back on a few others? Yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, the, I mentioned earlier this idea of trying to invest in areas that, again, we're sort of defining with this term called prime farmland areas. And those areas um, sort of preclude us from investing in in a place that might have had poor land appreciation over time or might have poor farm rental rates, for example. So we try to really work around having those sorts of issues up front. Now, a, a good example is, you know, we actually have a blog post on our website about uh, Western Kansas and Western Nebraska, which has really been in a bear market for land uh, over the last couple of years. And, and that largely has to do with uh, issues with, with groundwater quality in that area. And, you know, that's an example of an area right now where we don't have any investments and, and probably won't in the immediate future, but I think speaks directly to your question about are there sort of bear and bull markets. So if if that is an example of a, of a bear market, sort of the Western Plain States area, a potential bull market in farmland investing would certainly be uh, specific uh, permanent crops. Uh, a good example being almonds. Uh, there's a lot of money right now going into almond plantings. And so what you see is not necessarily a uh, clear bear and bull market, but rather um, sort of vignettes on both the ge geographic side and the crop selection side of you know, certain areas might be experiencing uh, downturns in land values, and then certain crops might be seeing extreme appreciation or more interest in those crop types. And so um, that's really the best way I can think about answering that question. No, that they are. that's a good point. So going off of that a little bit, whenever you guys are trying to select the land that you're going to have for, um, for the investing, what are you looking for? Are you looking for farms and operations that are kind of doing it in sustainable methods or something that... I mean, they're doing kind of best practices. So what's kind of your selection criteria there? Yeah, well, I'll speak directly to that question about sustainability first and, and maybe get into the rest of it. So if you've been on our site or tracked the investments that we've had, we've, we've had a number of certified organic offerings, everything from uh, apples in Washington State uh, to edible beans in Minnesota uh, to sweet potatoes in Arkansas. And so it's certainly something that we are keenly interested in. The investors using our platform have told us they're interested in, and we're working to bring more of those uh, to our platform. That said, uh, you know, approximately one to two percent of total farm acreage in the United States is currently certified organic. So it makes it really difficult to source deals uh, when you have such a small percentage of land that's that's in your national organic program. And so we certainly have a number of conventionally farmed uh, properties on our uh, platform. And really, that's reflective of the broader U.S. agricultural market and land, current land uses in the United States. So you know, I just want to speak directly to that idea of where does sustainability fall in? It's certainly a priority for us, but you're, you're constrained to a certain extent about what are farmers actually doing out there and how is land being used today? With respect to the question about, you know, what does our underwriting process look like? Uh, you know, I alluded to parts of it earlier, which is this, you know, we, number one, we want to be in the right geographic area, uh, you know, based on those criteria I outlined around um, land market liquidity, uh, farmer community, rainfall, groundwater resources, etc. A second point would be, 
we want to make sure that we have good experience and good farm managers in that area. So, you know, our headquarters is here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but we actually have farm managers that work and live in the communities where our properties are. And so we need to make sure that we have qualified and experienced sort of boots on the ground anywhere that we have a farm investment. Um, and then the final piece would be, you know, we really need to make sure that the farm investment itself is making a rate of return that is, uh, you know, appealing enough to the investors using our platform, but also, you know, fair on the other end in terms of what is the rental situation or rental structure. And so we're always in this uh, tension of back and forth between um, presenting good investment opportunities on the site. Okay. Kind of going off of that also, what if, what if you're renting that farmland and do you guys kind of take into account if there's a bad growing season or if there's bad weather and for example, like the crop dies out? I mean, I imagine that's just kind of one of those risk things like in the regular stock market. So what do you guys advise there? Yeah. So actually there's a number of land lease or land rental arrangements in row crop farming in particular. Um, you, you generally have number one, a cash rental arrangement, no different than paying cash rent on maybe an apartment that you're renting out. Um, the second would be what's called a crop share. It's where the owner says, I'll take 20% and the farmer keeps 80% of the crop. And then the third arrangement is called a, a flex lease, which is really just a, a hybrid of those two forms. And so most of the investments you're going to see on the Acre Trader platform are just going to be in simple cash rent. And so what that means is if there's a weather, extreme weather event or something happens to the crop, you know, the rent has been paid in cash. Now the question becomes, you know, what happens to the farmer who's paid cash rent already, but has a crop failure. And that's where the, really the farm bill and all the programs that are, you know, part of that farm bill program um, comes into play for farmer supports. The, you know, most of the farmers we work with uh, have an extensive crop insurance policy uh, that protects them and provides some amount of payment uh, when there is a bad crop year. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the investors through the acre trader platform do have some, you know, limited liability in the case of a bad crop or bad weather year. Uh, but the farmer then is protected by their crop insurance policy. Okay, gotcha. That makes a lot of sense then. Uh, kind of going off of that also. So uh, my friend Matthew, who we were talking about earlier, he's kind of my investing buddy right now. And he had a great question. He was like, can I feel like I'm feeding people, making money, and saving the planet when I invest and if I do that with AcreTrader. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I think the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, again, whether the investment is strictly a certified organic offering, which again, we've had a number of those on the platform, or even just a, a conventional, conventionally farmed offering uh, that you'll also see on the platform, I think the answer is yes in both cases. Um, you know, the majority of farmers we work with, uh, they call into us. And they say, hey, I, you know, I farm about a thousand acres, which anymore these days, you know, corn and soybeans, a thousand acres doesn't get you very far in terms of uh, take home income at the end of the year. And they say, you know, I'm farming about a thousand acres and I'd like to pick up, you know, 200 to 300 more acres in the next two, one to two years. Right. That's a pretty typical call that I get each week. And I then sit down with that individual farmer and say, OK, well, you know, detail where you're currently operating. What do you think might be for sale? What do you think we could buy together? And the way that I approach it is I work with that farmer to identify new properties that might be coming up for sale. Uh, we work out a lease agreement that's fair to both of us. And then Acre Trader and its investors will be a capital partner and purchase that property and set up an arrangement with that farmer. So in that sense, you know, we're working with a lot of smaller and, and a lot of younger generation of farmer who maybe you know, wasn't able to inherit a, a large farm, you know, 
tens of thousands of acres from a parent or grandparent. And in that case, that person's looking to expand their operation, but do it in a way that's off balance sheet. And that's where I think the value proposition from a farmer's perspective really comes through in working with a, a partner like AcreTrader, which is that we can we can consistently purchase properties and set up long-term leasebacks with farmers who are looking to expand acreage, but maybe don't have the cash to go buy that outright today. Okay. That's a pretty big one that I've learned about kind of doing this podcast. You have really two types of people. You have farmers that you know, their their farms have been in their family for like four or five generations and they've grown every year to expand to be like thousands of acres. And then you've got first generation farmers that want to get into it, but they don't have the cash or the capital to buy land, to buy all that equipment. And so it sounds like this is a great platform, for, like you said, for those first time farmers that are wanting to grow their land, wanting to grow their business. And so kind of off, off of that, what has the response been like for farmers? Do they feel like they have more support? they're better able to buy the things they do or to, to put all the hard work into their crops. So what's the feedback been like? I think it's been overwhelmingly positive from a couple perspectives. The first would be, um, you know, when I do get those calls from farmers on a weekly basis, a lot of them are saying, you know, I, I knew that some of my neighbors were working with investors, but I didn't know how to find any because, you know, the neighbor's not necessarily going to give you the phone number of the guy they've been buying land with. Right. Uh, it's a closely held, uh, closely held competitive advantage to a certain extent. And so um, they're they're pretty happy to have found somebody that wants to work with them and to look at buying land together. So that's the first uh, first thing I'd say. And the se second thing I'd say is that you know, we're pretty hands off. Um, I think we get a lot of skepticism from farmers in, at the beginning. Uh, when I tell them that, you know, each individual farm could have 20 to 30 uh, people who have invested in it together. And the farmer says, well, I don't I don't want to have to deal with 20 to 30 people bothering me about what I'm doing every day. And uh, fortunately, that's not the case. Uh, basically, the farmer just works with myself and whoever the on the ground local farm manager is. And they don't have to deal with the 20 to 30 other people who may have invested in the property as well. Um, and to that end, we, we've had some farmers who have actually gone through and actually invested alongside uh, our own investors. And so it's a way for farmers to diversify their assets as well. Okay, that's awesome. So this is kind of primarily towards crops. Is, do you guys envision a future where you can also invest in cattle or technology in the ag industry? Or do you think it's going to slowly diversify? I think right now our core focus is on land ownership. So that's primarily going to be in cropland investments. So for our purposes, it's going to be annual or row crops, you know, corn, cotton, soybeans, and then also in permanent crops. So almonds, apples, um, cherries, that kind of thing. Right now, I, I don't see us expanding into uh, livestock or rangeland or any investment like that. Um, largely because the you know the average returns to capital are, are quite a bit lower, usually around half in terms of a annual dividend um, between a row crop investment versus let's say a pasture land. So I think just from a a having a, a better option or a more competitive return in cropland, that sort of has led us to focus specifically on that over other options. Okay, that makes a lot of sense there. So if somebody wants to get involved with AgriTrader, you guys have got a really cool website. I've been checking it out. I mean, it kind of seems like you kind of dive into there with a bunch of videos and charts. So if somebody wanna, wants to get started with AgriTrader, what would your advice be? Yeah, so right now we are have, we're hosting about one new investment every week. 
And with each of those investments, we will do a live webinar. It's usually on Wednesday, sometimes Tuesdays, and we send emails out announcing these. And I think the best way, if you're a potential investor, to get involved with AcreTrader is to uh, tune in for one of these weekly webinars. What we'll discuss in that webinar is a quick five to 10 minute overview of the AcreTrader model and how it works. And then the rest of the you know 15 to 20 minutes or so is spent discussing that specific farm that we're going to offer on the website that week. And so you really get a in-depth perspective or view into our underwriting process and uh, understand how we think about valuing farmland. If you're a farmer and you're interested in getting involved, the best way is really just to send an email to me. Um, that's just Ben at AcreTrader.com. Uh, be happy to start a conversation there. You can go to our website and see a number of the past uh, investments we've done to get a better idea of, you know, hey, what are these guys looking to purchase? What kind of rates of return are they looking at? Um, you can really find all of that in our uh, past investment section. Gotcha. That's a good advice. So also on your website, I saw that you guys have kind of been featured on a whole bunch of business channels. So What's the feedback been like from people in the investing world? I mean, have they kind of been like, oh, hey, I didn't know this was a thing. Are they super excited about it? What's their f feedback been like? Yeah, I think, you know, there have been some rumblings about farmland investing sort of on the sidelines for a while now. Um, I think from a, a more high profile perspective, you know, uh, Bill Gates, for example, is, is well known for his interest in investments in, in farmland, as well as uh, Warren Buffett. I think he's got the famous quote of saying, I'd rather have all the farmland in the United States than all the gold in the world. Right. And so there's been these uh, sort of high profile actors investing in farmland on the side to date. But a lot of folks didn't know how to get into the industry. You know, farmland's a three trillion dollar industry. Uh, market and you know it's it's obviously an asset class that has been um, under invested in by average people and I think our platform allows the average person the average investor to go in and participate in off-market farmland investments uh, in a way that they weren't able to previously. Okay, that's super cool. Yeah, I've seen people like you're kind of talking about Bill Gates are getting more and more involved and more interested in the agricultural side of things. So that's a good point. So, you know, you're on a very cool side of the ag industry and it's not really production, but it's assisting production and stuff like that. And so what are your thoughts on the farmer consumer relationship? I like to ask all these people or all the people we interview this question. And so how do you view it? Do you think the relationship's getting better? Do you think it needs some improvement? What do you think? Yeah, so uh, certainly needs improvement, right? I think the average person with all of the information that they're asked to take in every day uh, has a hard time finding space mentally to really get down and understand where their food comes from and how the food system works. I think one of the things that is helpful in breaking down some of those barriers um, is is by what we're doing, which is direct ownership in farmland makes you a participant. It makes you have to care. It makes you have to ask the right questions. And one of the things that we do with our investors is we're giving them twice a year uh, written updates about what is going on on the farm, uh, who the farmer is, what they're growing, how the crop is doing this year, photos of that crop, any improvements we're doing to the land for conservation purposes or efficiency purposes. Um, and getting that information sort of brought to you, but also having it 
tied to a, a financial stake that you've put into the game, I think is really meaningful. And like I said earlier, I, I think it makes you have to care. So I, I like it from that perspective. That's a very good point that, I mean, a lot of people are removed, but this is making you kind of a direct contributor and you're helping people, you're helping farmers, you're kind of taking part in the process. That's a very good point. All right. Well, well, Ben, this has been awesome learning about AcreTrader. Again, you, your website is just acretrader.com. They can go there and kind of fill out, see what you guys are doing. Do you have any more tips or tricks or advice for anybody that might be interested in investing in farmland? You know, I would just say we, we've got a couple of tools on the website. One in particular uh, tracks the historical land values in returns to farmland over time. I think it's over a, a 20 or 30 year history right there on our website. It's sort of an interactive state by state map. So I'd encourage you if you want to learn more, check that out. Um, and then, of course, if you want to get the emails about our weekly webinars and learn a little bit more about how we value and think about farmland, uh, just send us an email and we'll, we'll get that sent out to you on a weekly basis. And that's really the best way. Kind of watch our website every week. There's always something coming up. And uh, let us know if you have any more questions. Deal, man. Well, this has been awesome. I'm definitely going to do some more research and hopefully kind of diversify our portfolio into farmland. I mean, I don't have a farm yet, but this would be really cool to kind of be directly involved, kind of how you were saying. Well, Ben, this is great, man. Thanks a lot. Best of luck to all you guys over at AcreTrader. This is super cool and can't wait to see where you guys take it. Thanks, Trevor. Really enjoyed it.